Disclaimer. Due to the nature of Tottenham Scum Spurs and their propensity to be a massive pack of wankers, tonight's podcast uses the word cunt more excessively than usual. This, however, is in no way the fault of the Ars Brothers or their guests, as we do completely blame those useless Spursy spud cunts for having the nerve to have ever existed in the first place. Come on, you gunners, fuck off you Spurs, and enjoy the podcast. Tonight, Arsenal fans all around the world survey the damage to their blue balls as Arsenal comes so close to full gratification but come up just short. We welcome our counterparts from Guns and Yellow Ribbons along to break down the ups and downs from the North London Derby and join us in cathodically swearing into the void. All this and more tonight on this and Ask Brothers Rankcast. Welcome to this, a Gun Brothers Ass Ribbon. That's right. We've dragged the guys in from Guns and Yellow Ribbons, and we haven't just dragged any two people in from Guns and Yellow Ribbons. You might say we've dragged the main men in, the two most important cogs in the machine. The lubricant gets gets the the Guns and Yellow Ribbons machine moving. We've got Scunny Mike, and we've got Manny. Boys, how are you? Good, yeah, mate. I'm good, mate. I'm good. You're gonna get fucked for that. You do know that. Oh no, mate. Yep. But you know, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Let Fergus slide. He got into me so much when I said it last time. I thought, it's double or nothing, guys. Double or nothing. Good. Fuck his ego, man. <laughs> you know I mean, he acts like he doesn't have one, but he does. Fuck his ego. Oh, I hope he's still got a hangover. No, I think he's good. He's Irish. He's used he's, to this. He's, he's, got the, he's got the DNA. Toby, mate, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, buddy. I don't know how I feel yet. We'll see. We'll see how it goes through through this cathartic pod. I don't think any of us really, really know how we feel. It was a, to say the least, it was a, um, a less than enjoyable experience for me um, to come so close and and not be able to, not be able to see it through and have the opportunities that we had and. You know, and, and to really show them up, to show those Spursy fucking spud wankers what they fucking were, which was shit, and unable to break down what is really a fairly average defensive outfit from Arsenal, and we still couldn't just get ourselves over the line. Guys, it's been, what, nearly 48 hours? Who's still mad? Manny, I'm going to stick it to you first because your handle for today is Cuntfest. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very true to how most of us are feeling, mate. How are you? I'm pissed, man. But today, today is a, is a cuntathon, man. I'm, I'm still pissed off like two days later because it was a case of so close and yet so far. And then the thing is, it was, you know, one of our errors that handed them, you know, the, 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 the goal. So I'm pissed and I'm probably still be pissed until, you know, until the end of the season, you know what I mean? Because that one point could be crucial, you know? So, uh, yeah. And luckily though, I didn't have to deal with, you know, the Tottenham fan that I work with, um, you know, he couldn't get to work and he's lucky too. So yeah, still pissed over here, boys. Scunny, how are you feeling, mate? Do you still have 
genuine murderous feelings towards Mustafi because there was some violence coming out of Scunthorpe. <laughs> what did you call him? Oh, was it you or Manny? Someone called him a waste of fucking skin. Yeah, that was me. That was you. Oh, but I know, Scunny, you were livid with him. I can't fucking stand that cunt. I really can't. He's such a fucking liability. Especially in a week when... Uh, I know Callum Chambers hasn't been playing centre-back, but in a week when Callum Chambers scores a fucking cracker against Chelsea, you've got to be thinking, even if we didn't have the funds to replace Mustafi, surely Chambers could come in and do a, a reasonable job. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him play a lot in the defensive mid position, but I de- definitely think with our lack of funds, um, or at least the fact that our funds should be put towards probably a replacement for the ageing Koscielny, I'd definitely have him back as an option, you know, as, as second or third choice. You know, you know from our track record that there's going to be injuries anyway, um, and none of the rest of them are getting any younger. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have him back. Guys, a majority of people prior to the start of this game were seething, violent, cuntmongers, shouting things into the ether about how could Emery possibly not play Ozil? How oh, could he God. possibly not play Torreira? How could he possibly not play Ubangan Man? And yet, at the most basic part of, of Emery's plan, it appeared it was very much to put his best 11 defenders or his, his hardest working 11 players on the pitch. And for the most part, We'll crack into the bits that didn't work. But for the most part, guys, it worked. Are we all in agreement there? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I wasn't happy with, with, with the lineup, to be fair. Um, especially seeing, you know, our friend at right back, you know, the the brain dead. Like, Mustafi reminds me of, of one of those kids that you had in school who used to sniff glue all the time. Like, And I firmly believe. <laughs> just, just dribbling. I f- exactly. I firmly believe that Mustafi used to, you know, sniff glue and run in traffic and play with cars and that sort of shit because he's so fucking stupid. Um, I didn't, I wasn't happy with, with Guendouzi ahead of, of Torreira. Um, aside from that, um, it was, it was a solid lineup. You know, I was, I wasn't, you know, too pissed about it. Yeah, I was pretty much in the same sort of position. Any thoughts on the Torreira? The exclusion of Torreira? Boys, Scunny, any thoughts on that? Whether that was a, a, a tactical move? I've, I've been of the opinion for the last few weeks that Torreira has been looking leggy, but I would have thought that was the only one that really, really surprised me in the lineup. Yeah, um, the only thing I can think of is maybe giving him a bit of a rest, but I don't understand why you'd give him a rest at, on a North London derby, personally. But no. in hindsight, if you look at watch the game, it, it kind of, you know, I mean, the team kind of worked for the for the best part of it. It it was running really well. Well, I actually got a theory, you know, with with the Guendouzi and Torreira thing. Could it be to to give um, Ericsson two different problems to deal with? Because Guendouzi and Torreira's jobs were to follow Ericsson around to nullify his threat. So maybe it was pre-planned to have Guendouzi and Torreira play each half. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I, I reckon you're onto something, and and what we've learned about Emery is that he does have a plan for every opposition. So, you know, us armchair reviewers, you know, we're constantly 
having a look at him or criticising him for tinkering too much, but you know, at least this is a, a coach that that respects the opposition and sets the team out accordingly. So, um, yeah, I mean, in answer to the question, I was it, it was clear from the lineup for me that he was setting up a very much away from home side um, and really setting us up not to concede. Um, probably, even to some extent, I understand. I understood why Mustafi was there. The only one I didn't get was the Torreira thing because that winning the ball back and doing the man marking. So, yeah. So, anyway, Manny, I reckon you might be onto something with that. And I definitely reckon he had um, a game of two halves in mind, not just a, a first 11. Uh, anyone else think that Davidson Sanchez is probably the most massive fucking cunt ever to play football in the history of cunts playing football? Because for me, he was just a dirty, dirty fucker for the entire game. Kicked the shit out of Lacazette and kicked Koscielny on the line as well. Well, he's Colombian. Have you ever seen those guys <laughs> play football? <laughs> Have you ever seen the South Americans play football? Did you see the Honduras team when they were um, at the World Cup? It was it was hit first, and then we'll think about it later. I think Davison Sanchez has that in his game. That's all he wanted to do, to be honest with you. He wanted to rough up, like I say, he wanted to rough up anyone who he could get his hands on. So, fuck him. You know, he's a cunt. And, you know, Wanyama as well. Cunt. They're all cunts. Fucking hell. Fucking spuds. Fucking spud cunts. Do you know who else is a cunt? Tim fucking Sherwood. He's a cunt. Okay. What the hell did he do to you? Right? Because like, I missed it. I don't know, mate. I've, I've, I've... I was nervous drinking wine. It was like 11 o'clock here. I've been working all night. I was nervous drinking wine. And I was on the, the, we have a Guns and Yellow Ribbons debate group. And I got up the next day and I read it. And it was just a series of me interchanging words like spud, cunt, wanker, and Tim Sherwood for about 10 messages until everyone just started ignoring me. He's just a cunt. I fucking hate him. Boys, first half. Let's sort of break it down. Lacazette on the volley. Two minutes, 26. Could have been a hero. Could have smashed it in. Toby, what did you make of that chance? Was it a big miss? Was it a medium miss? Was it a miss that you'd expect a striker to make? Or do you, like me, think that's probably one of the hardest types of opportunities in football? The lob ball over your shoulder on the spin. Look, it, it was hard. But in the context of the profligacy overall, it, it was a big deal. So it's one of those things that we don't really realise or, or we, we forgive quickly at the time. But, you know, we're talking about pretty fine margins. Um, so overall, and, and we'll get into this later, obviously, but with a couple of misses um, and not, not really following through with our ascendancy, look, in the scheme of things, it, it, it probably did make a negative difference. Overall. Did anyone else get the feeling that Lacazette got bullied on the day? A little bit. And look who he was dealing with, man. You know, like I said, it's what? 5'9"? Look at the sizes mm. of, of Davison Sanchez and Wenyama and, and, you know, Vertonghen and all the very well. They're not small guys. You know, like as it is. But I think he gave as, as good as he got, to be fair. You know, um, mm. I'm not too pissed at the fact that he got bullied. I'm more pissed at the fact of, you know, the chances that he missed. You know, him being mm. bullied, you know, it happens, you know. I got the yeah. feeling that maybe those some of those chance misses were maybe a result of that. You know, it's very fatiguing 
to be in that physical battle for that much time and, and maybe that had taken his toll on him. Maybe, you know, it, Aubameyang around the 60th, you know, maybe a little bit earlier could have come on and, and could have injected. Uh, Scunny, Ramsey, this is his house, apparently. I mean, he's, he's a Wembley superstar. You can't say anything other than that. Someone's got to watch out for the Grim Reaper, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> Them celebrities have got to be looking over their fucking shoulder now. Did you think that it was a? Did you think that it was a, a great goal, a memorable goal, and did you think that it was a, a an apt way for Ramsey maybe to to sign off and and go on his way? Yeah, in some respects, um, yeah, I can, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, it's one way of putting your name into, say, the Arsenal history books, for instance, saying, look, I scored at Wembley. It would have been much more the sweeter if we didn't concede, uh, for him anyway. Uh, yeah. I did enjoy, I did enjoy his, his... I liked his celebration. Cele- I enjoyed yeah. his celebration. I, I mean, for me, that was... But Manny and I have spoken about this before. Manny and I spoke about this a few weeks ago when we did a podcast together about how isn't it funny how Ramsey only seems to kind of come to the fore when it's it's something that's for Ramsey? Like there's a yeah, reason for yeah. Ramsey to do it. Yeah, I, I can agree with that, definitely. Um, he only turns up when he wants to turn up. But at least he's a big game player. Our other, that, that our is other true. strikers didn't show that this time, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm no Ramsey lover overall and, and he has for a number of years been part of the problem because he is a maverick and basically plays where he wants. But, you know, that was that was a big game player, and I really think it was a big game finish as well. That little dummy and feint, you know, to sit Lloris on his ass um, in the context of the game with the defender tearing down, you know, on the back of his neck, I, that was that was a class finish. Well, Lloris is suspect anyway, isn't he, to be fair? Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> I fucking hate him. I hate him. What is your major issue with him? It's obviously France national team. Well, that's one. That's one. You know the the fuck up at the World Cup, right? Two. He's a drunk. Three. You play for Tottenham. Four. I don't like your face. Five. You're a cunt. Six. Go fuck yourself. So, listen. How is he? How is he a drunk? He got, he got drunk caught driving. drink driving early in the season. Oh, okay. That's, a That's ironic whiner. on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but he's not a professional footballer, is he? No, no. Sick all in the body. Um, Passenger seat, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. Dickhead, he can't even do that right. You know what I mean? He can't even be sick correctly. You know, you, oh, fuck Hugo Lloris, man. Uh, speaking of people not being able to do anything correctly, early in the game, boys, Harry Kane absolutely smashes in a header, offside. That was the last time the Lions were made a good call for the entire fucking game. Guys, what did we think of the Lionsman? He was fucking shit. I'm just confused about the consistency of these people. Um... If you watch for the free kick that led to the penalty, he is not even looking at the line. He's behind it. So he can't even see, you know, that there's four or five Tottenham players offside. Considering that for every free kick situation, there were, you know, Spurs players offside. What the fuck were you doing at that point? You know? I, ugh. No, this is it. He stood on the end of the line, wasn't he? He wasn't even in line with 
the defenders or the offside or where they could go offside. He was leaning over. Mm. What a fucking moron. And it almost felt like Tottenham were undertaking something that was like systematic fouling, except systematically being offside from from set pieces. Um, guys, one of the things I'm really interested in, and I thought maybe we might sort of have a talk about it, because it's, it's interesting because we've got a, a few people on this podcast who have different sporting backgrounds who have seen what VAR, the bunker, the third umpire... Can, can how that can actually affect sport and affect sport really irreparably. I know Manny's a, a, a rugby union fan. Toby and I grew up playing rugby union and, a, and we're both mad rugby league fans. And in my opinion, the introduction of the, the third umpire, VAR, the bunker, whatever you want to call it, has really fucked up both of those codes. I don't understand how VAR is meant to come into the Premier League without hurting the pace of play, the hel- the helter-skelter nature that we do things in, the up and down. I don't understand how VAR is going to come in and VAR is not going to fuck up Premier League because in my opinion, I kind of feel that refereeing decisions have always and will always be part of what football is all about. I'm really interested to hear all of your points of view. Toby, can I start with you? Look, I think it's inevitable and inevitable. it's the future. Um, and I think the reason it has been delayed is for the very reason that you just said. It's a way of incorporating it. Um, where it's been done well in different codes, probably cricket and tennis with the challenge system. Different games like poorly. cricket and tennis, Toby. They're, they're stop-start games. Yeah, thanks for letting me finish. Um, and then... With other games, like like you said, like with Rugby League and, and Rugby Union Test Match that I was watching the other day, Rugby League in particular, it's really fucked up the flow. So from a spectacle, every time anything happens, the, the referees are too chicken shit, so all they do is bow down to the, the third umpire or the bunker or the video referee or VAR or whatever the fuck you want to call it. So... As a spectacle and how that ties in with the ballistic end-to-end nature of the Premiership, I'm not going to say I'm not concerned. However, in the context of the game of, of, the, of the North London derby, I, I don't think there's any way we would be having this same discussion if it, if it was in place. So, I don't know. At the expense of sitting on the fence, I, I don't have the answer. But I think at the expense of sitting on the fence, you're going to sit on the fence. Exactly. But what I will say is it has to be done properly and not affect the flow of the game too much. Scunny, thoughts? I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of on the fence with it, but I can't sort of wait for it to come in either. Um, again, yes, I think I'm on the fence with it. Like, what Toby just said there with it uh, slowing down games and uh, that stop-start sort of system that they have. Uh, other than the only thing I can think of pos- positives is it rules out shitty referees. But the, but the the one thing, and I, I'm sorry, Scunny, to butt in, but the one thing that I I neglected to say was that, and I think this is what Max is getting to in terms of the debate, the the there is still debate even with the video calls. And there's still times when the officials get it wrong and there's conjecture. So it, it absolutely won't 
make it 100% right. You know, the, 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 the quality of the recording, the amount they can slow the frames down, um, the camera angles, you know, all of those things come into play. So it's, it's certainly not a perfect science. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to be perfect. I, I don't think anything is going to be perfect, in, especially in football. Uh, mm. But as it goes for the shitty referees, I think Manny said on the last podcast that we was on, on Guns, Guns and Yellow Ribbons, there's a reason why, say, for instance, the English referees or the Premiership referees didn't go to the World Cup because they are absolutely diabolical. <laughs> yeah, fair diabolical. play. Fair play. I don't understand how this is meant to meant to work i don't understand how Let, let's just take an example and manny I'll, I'll let you take this one right for var to work let's take an example of the aaron ramsey goal let's say there is a hint of offside in the aaron ramsey goal and the flag goes up now that's on halfway so we don't know whether that's going to going to develop into a goal scoring opportunity and this is what i don't understand about about games that aren't stop-start, that are constantly flowing. Does that then mean that that would be allowed to run the whole way up until Aaron Ramsey either scores the goal or doesn't score the goal, and then the game stops, and then it goes to VAR? I'm I'm just struggling to wrap my head around how this is actually going to plan out. If the flag goes up, then it it would stop play. Um, That's just it, you know. Um, to, to, To... come to your point about the flow of the game fuck the flow of the game if the decisions are correct i don't give a fuck how long it takes for the game to be paused right at the end of the day all we want is just is just fair and we want accurate decisions because this season and in seasons gone by it's been shit it's been absolutely shit now for argument's sake right let's say that we win every game between now and the end of the season just for argument's sake and we miss out on top four by one point, and that one point is the one that we just got at, at you know, at, at the scum, right? Now we imagine VAR was in place, and we don't miss out that one point. You know what I mean? So I don't give a fuck what people say, but oh, it will stop the nature of the game and the flow of it, blah blah blah. But if a, if you know if we are on the receiving end of the of a terrible call. Would you really be complaining about how long VAR is going to take? No, you wouldn't. You want a correct decision. So, fuck you guys for complaining. And I'm looking at you, Max. <laughs> I must be the only one in the room at the moment who's anti-VAR. Is no one else anti-VAR with me? And should I just shut the fuck up and take my harebrained ideas away with me? Move on. Shut the fuck up. Moving on, boys. Moving on. Especially seeing we probably would have won the game without if we had VAR. An argument could be that, yes, but, you know, the Aubameyang penalty might not have been a penalty. So, with we VAR. won it up. That's true. <laughs> Boys, let's just, uh, let's just get excited for a second. And let's get excited about the double save from Leno. Mm. Because in my opinion, that is probably... From what I've seen, I think save of the season. Mm-hmm. It's Leno's best save for us, one hundred percent, as an Arsenal player. And does this maybe finally put some of the naysayers to rest uh, about Leno? Because Toby and I were talking on last week's Ars Brothers, there had been this kind of building discontent about Leno for some reason that had been working its way through the fan base. But those were world class saves, no doubt. 
Man, the fan base would be discontent with anything. The fan base is some of the people in the fan base. There was this um, this this balding midget on AFTV who was saying that Emery's tactics were wrong against the scum. Right, so it doesn't matter what happens within the team. There's always going to be discontent. I don't fully understand where you know it came from with Leno. This is a young goalkeeper making his way in this league, but even with that double save, there's still going to be someone out there who's going to complain. For me personally, if I could find it on Pornhub, I will put it in my wank bank because that was a great save. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's that always going to be stupid cons on AFTV. I know that one. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. that that one is just he's a he's a short little shit who's always got something negative to say. He was like, "Oh, Tottenham were there for the taking." Blah blah blah. Listen, you you little short dickhead. United went there and won one nil. City went there and won one nil. Right. So, what makes you think that going over there and, and and being open and playing that sort of game would would have yielded three points? There was a reason why Emery set up that way and it was working. Little mm. shit. Mm. <laughs> Scunny, Leno, in or out. You've got to be Leno in. Oh, don't even get me started on that. I I get really pissed off with people who's criticising him for what the way he is at the minute. Yes, he has made some mistakes. What keeper doesn't? But at the end of the day, I've said it before and I'll keep saying it every time, a keeper is only as good as his defence. Now, our defence has been absolutely shocking at times, so you can't really blame the keeper for a lot of it. Uh, for where it comes up, he's still in question, fuck off. He, he shouldn't even be in question. He's been absolutely brilliant for us. And them two saves that uh, on Saturday prove that. I mean, it takes us into half-time, guys, still with our, our, our goal up, still fucking, you know, with our tails up and, and, and just looking forward to the next half. I mean, we were on the messenger group together and I was shitting myself in the second half. I was probably shitting myself more at the start of the second half because it looked like we had nullified them. They were passing the ball around in a big U-shape around us and just didn't seem to have anything going forward. So by that directive, Emery's tactics were right. They were spot on. We were swatting them away like flies. Like It was the most confident and complete defensive display I've seen from us in a long time. So I, I was... I was hugely buoyant in that second, in that first half, and I think the the Leno double save was just icing on the cake because that's, you know, that switching off from us is very typical, and and I actually felt Socrates switched off a little bit and let Ericsson ghost in behind him, and you know, just in the context of the timing of that, would have been devastating for us. So the Leno double save was was a huge shot in the arm. Preach. Preach. Emery got his spot on, all right, and it was a case of whether Emery could learn from from his mistakes. So I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to watch the game back. Um, I did yesterday, and there were so many things that were clear that he did. For example, you know our defensive line was was so deep, and that was yeah. just to nullify Sun. You know the ball in behind. You know from the League Cup game, Emery learned mm. from that. So our defense yeah. sat deep. Um, you and know, we haven't even mentioned Manny that that we started with Monreal over Kolasinac. That was that was a genius tactic. It was, and Monreal was solid, mm. but it was it it worked, you know. And there was something that Monreal did that I don't think people really noticed. And when Kane was was dropping off Koscielny, you know, you would expect Koscielny to to follow Kane, and obviously there would be space in behind. But Monreal was doing that. 
Monreal was, was following, you know, Kane to go and pick up the ball from the midfield. And even though that left space for Trippier, you've only got Son in the box and he's not going to win a header against Koscielny or Socrates. So he didn't the- fuck all, Son, as well. Fuck all. He just looked like he was just a cut inside onto his left foot king. And we did so well in just nullifying them, pressing them, almost like a, a catcher's mitt. You know, for us, every time they kind of pressed into the middle, we wrapped around. I thought Mikatarian was amazing on the cover. I thought that, you know, Awobi was amazing on the cover as well. All in all, just hard work in performances. And really, when you look at it, I mean, it was four centre-backs were out there on the pitch. Four centre-backs, no matter what, is going to provide you some kind of, of robust cover. I was all for the tactics. Yeah, I don't Except know. Who we wasn't. weren't we weren't set up to concede though. That was the problem. That's where it went wrong. Well, according to to, I know that we always go through this. We always go Twitter and we always go through uh, social media and somehow end up surprised how many stupid fuckers out there. But says the guy tweeting "fuck shit cunt Sherwood." Well, there were there were, there were particularly people absolutely screaming about Emery not changing the tactics to suit Özil when Ursula and Aubameyang came on. And I thought that was wild. I just wondered, you know, if anyone had any opinions on that. We might as well unpack the, the Ursula thing now. Scunny, Ursula's performance, he came on. You would think your £350,000 player would come on and, and have quite a large effect. I didn't think he was bad. I didn't think that he went missing. I just thought that he was ineffective in the game. How did you see his performance and his injection into the second half? First of all, fuck Ozil. Yep, I was, <laughs> I was expecting that. And as as when he comes to the game, you'd expect him to do something, but he just does what he always does. Fuck all. He didn't <laughs> seem to be very press resistant, it, boys. You, the thing is, I wanted Ozil to start the game. Uh, I was one of the ones who was saying, he th- I, I think he should start the game. And for the reason, I wanted him to start. You and me were having a good old chat about that, weren't yeah. we? we were, we were saying that we wanted him to be put into the frying pan so we could just see once and for all. And if he fucked up, we'd be like, good, you're done. See you later. Fuck off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and that's what I wanted. And uh, that's the reason why I wanted him to start because I wanted to show him or show everyone what his worth really is. He didn't start, which is, that's not his fault. It's obvious that's Emery's tactics. And it, obviously we've said about Emery's tactics that were spot on. Uh, for when he did come on, you'd think, right, he's going to go for it. Let's see him do it. We want to see something. Let's create something. He didn't do anything apart from a couple of flicks that came to nothing or just nothing. He didn't do anything. And it's for me now, even still, I still think, see you later. Yeah. Can Can I just add something to that? I feel that we had lost our way with our go forward by the time Ozil was in the match. So when did when did he come on? Was it 60, 65 minutes, something uh, like that? 72nd minute. Okay, so it was quite late. And when when did we concede with the Mustafi fuck-up? Oh. Like five minutes later? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got my perception of it, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to absolve him of it, but I felt... Tactically, if if we hadn't have conceded that goal, I think it would have worked out very well in his favour. You know, having having Yang, having Mikatarian on form like that, 
and with Tottenham having to come and get us, but I think the fact that we conceded and then the fact that we had to start pushing forward again and we had players like Mustafi on the right who didn't have any forward play at all. You know, his passing percentage was down in the 40s. You know, his overlap was, was terrible. You know, his, I guess, Mustafi's remit was to defend first and that's the way we were set up. And then when we needed to go and chase the game again, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have that level of go forward. Um, the other thing that I thought that worked against Ozil was Awobi by that time. I, I felt that he was knackered from the 70th minute onwards. He just didn't have any legs anymore. Um, does anyone does anyone feel the same? Or is it just fuck Ozil? Uh, I'm not, look. I, yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fuck him because £350,000 a week, it, it demands performances. It demands people making differences. And I was the, I was the most pro Urzel I've been in a long time for the last three weeks. But at the end of the day, it was Bate, it was Bournemouth, and it was Southampton. So fuck it, right? His wages alone, we can bring in a player on those wages. Hmm. Honestly, like, Meza uh, is always just a weak little cunt anyway. Like, um, I was, like, scunny. Like, I was one of those people that was like, you know what, just start him. Let's see what he can do. And the fact that he didn't start, I was like, okay, you know, Emery's thinking like I'm thinking and like a lot of people are thinking. But when he came on, didn't really put himself about. I think he came on around the same time as he did when we played Southampton. And look at the difference mm. when he came on against Southampton. Oh, he had a bit of space and he was, you know, flicking the ball and people were getting their Vaselines out, you know. <laughs> and in in this game, you know, there was, there was one point where he got taken out on the ball by fucking Trippier. By fucking little Trippier. And that's when I put my phone down and I was like, you know what? Fuck this guy, I'm done. All right? He's weak. He has to be in the perfect climate in order for him to perform. I'm sick of him. He'll probably play against United and have a great game because we're at the Emirates. But fuck him. Honestly, fuck him. Guys, let's talk about one of our heroes. A guy who we've all grown to love. We've all been waxing lyrical about him. Lacazette, his second miss. One of the most glaring misses you will see this year. Two-thirds of a net to aim at. On his preferred side. He's been smashing them all year. Devastating. He bottled it. Yeah, He bottled it. It's just a simple... I know he's a big game player and, you know, the goals that he scored this season, you know, show that. But this is the one game where you can't miss. I don't give a fuck. You can't miss. You can't miss. You can't fuck up. You can't do anything. And can I just say, tactically, if that goes in, then tactically Emery has hit perfection. All we have to do then is sit back and we have a defence that's made not to concede. So if you know that goes in fifty third minute, game over for me. Scunny curtains if uh, Lacazette smashes in that relatively easy chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he shouldn't be missing stuff like that. Like I said at the top of the show, I thought it might have been a bit of a symptom of having the shit beaten out of him by by Davidson Sanchez, but it's 
it's obviously a part of his game that he has to massively work on. And Toby and I were, were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I was watching a YouTube chip, a, a YouTube chip, a YouTube clip of the goals for the season from Lacazette and Aubameyang. And Lacazette's spread of goals is much more interesting than Aubameyang's. He scored near post finishes, far post finishes, curlers. He smashed balls. He's drilled balls bottom corner. He stuck things top bins. But you do not see him with a lot of kind of side foot tap-ins, open body tap-ins. And for him to become this, this top striker, to become this next level striker and bust into the, the top part, he's really got to be hitting those. Manny, mm-hmm. final words on Lacquer? No, like I said, he bottled it. Um, I, I can forgive. A, do you think it's a mentality thing with Lacazette? We, early on, we used to talk about him maybe having a little bit of a soft mentality. I don't know about that um, because, like I said, you know, he he scored you know big goals. You know, not only this season but last season as well. So I don't think it's a mentality thing. Um, I think he just he just bottled it. It's just that simple. But if we're gonna compare, you know, Lacazette to Aubameyang, Lacazette is the better overall footballer. You know, Aubameyang is a pace merchant who can, you know, who can put the ball away. But once he loses his pace, he's fucked. There's still room for improvement with Lacazette, whereas Aubameyang has reached his ceiling. That's all he can do. How tall is he? Six foot, six foot one. Can't win a header. You know, gets bullied off the ball. Can't hold the ball mm. up. You know, you play the ball in behind and, and that's that's him, you know, and, and tappings and things like that. Maybe the Lacazette chance, that's that's an Aubameyang sort of chance. But even then, he's missed those this season. You know what I mean? So I just think it was a game where both of our, our strikers bottled it. You know, is is that simple. Shit happens. You know what I mean? I'll maybe, I may be able to forgive that if you guys score, both of you guys score against United. Danny Rose, mm. boys. Two-footed into Leno, 100% a red card. Anyone got any thoughts against that? Cunt. I was just about to say cunt. the same cunt. Anywhere else Am on I the I the only one that doesn't think it's a red card? Oh, fuck off. Fuck off. Oh, oh, no fuck way. off. What's fucking wrong with you? Explain yourself. You need to go for that. Not with two fucking feet. absolutely need to go for that. In the fucking air. He didn't go with two feet. He went with one foot. He went he smashed him in the fo- fucking with chest foot. with two feet. I, I felt like he needed to challenge for that ball. I think it was a yellow all day long. But that same mindset should have been taken in with the Torreira mm-hmm. decision. I mean, you can't take the challenge away from the game. Yeah, yeah, the keeper has to be protected. But if you're a Spurs fan, you'd be fucking shitting on him if he didn't go for that. You know, he needed to go and, and, and give it a go. Is that three games for but Torreira? But I also felt... Dangerous, dangerous well, and violent? This this is what... Uh, yes. Yeah, it'll be three. It's, it's a straight it's, red. A straight red is three games. We have to appeal it. We have yep. to appeal it. You know what I mean? It was what on his follow-through. It was on his follow-through. What, what else is he supposed to do? He got the ball. <laughs> yes, it was a little bit high, but... Are you expecting him to change the direction of his leg? Bearing in mind, momentum is taking him in that direction. So you're telling him to to hook the ball away and then put your leg down in the same sort of motion. Fuck off! It's never a red exactly. card. It's and never if you a red take card. That away we should have game. What's what does the have game? What does the game have left if you take that away? Like I no, understand I protecting the player and all that, but to take away the combative nature. 
of players like that, and that's why we love Torreira. You know, the if you try and turn it into a non-contact sport, it's not going to be the same game anymore. No, I agree with that, but like you you said that, you know, if we were Spurs fans, we would want Danny Rose to go for it, but guess what? We're not Spurs fans. And Danny Rose is a little pubescent cunt, and you can, and I can, I can almost feel it in my bones that there was intent, you know, when he went in with that. He was like, "Fuck it, I can't get the ball. I'm gonna get you right in the rib because that's what I would do." You know what I mean? That's the sort of dickhead <laughs> I am. That's the sort of arsehole I am. You know what I mean? When I used to yeah. play rugby, I used to do some cuntish shit just because I don't yeah. fucking like you. So this is a North London derby. And I can hurt you a little yeah. bit and get away with it. Oh fuck yeah, I'm taking it. And and it's probably it's probably not even that calculated. It's just you, your adrenaline's pumping so much. You do stupid shit because you've got that you've got that hatred running through your vein your veins. That Danny combative. Rose is a cunt. He's always been a fucking cunt. He'll always be a cunt. I'm fucking. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of seeing his fucking goal. How every fucking match of the day Thank they you. play that fucking goal he scored. Thank you. Thank you. We were just talking about that like two podcasts ago on Gunting Yellow Ribbons, right? We were talking about goals that they always seem to show. The Ryan Giggs FA Cup goal um, and that one. That's the one that we really didn't speak about because that's his only fucking goal, the little shit. <laughs> that's his only goal and it was a complete fucking fluke. Such a fuck. It's just a hanger fucking boot at it and he gets something on it. It fucking drives me nuts. Every fucking week I watch it on Match of the Day. Fuck off. I fucking hate Danny Rose. Little cunt. I hate Tim Sherwood more, though. (laughs) (laughs) You can't let that go, can you? He's such a cunt. He's such a useless fucking cunt. He never did anything. And he gives his opinion like he was some kind of, like, double cup winning manager. He wasn't. And then he tries to give his opinion like he's a footballer. And he wasn't that good either. He's got fucking nothing. He, he looks like a cunt. He always looks like he's just smoked crack. No matter what. He's got this... He does. He's got this like, I just I just punched a bowl of meth and I'm fucking ready to go. You know, he's got that look about him. And he's fucking beady rat fucking cunt face as well. Boys, let's talk about the, the penalty. Let's talk oh, about... Man. Let's skip the linesman, right? Let's move past that. We've already covered that. Let's just handle... The bearded red elephant in the room, Mustafi. Technically, it's a terrible decision. It doesn't need to happen. Scunny, I'm going to start with you. Let <laughs> loose, mate. Let loose. Oh, that fucking cunt. <laughs> I've got my head in my hands, literally, just thinking, you're a fucking knobhead. Why would you do that? Why would you? He wasn't looking at the ball as it was coming over. He was just looking at his man and taking out this fucking big-chinned cunt here. And he makes himself look like a cunt. Toby, Mustafi, I know you've actually been a little bit crazy of Mustafi lately, so I'll be interested to take to see your more measured approach. Hold on, Toby, before you go, I I just want to say that my shotgun is aimed directly at your head. (laughs) So... Be careful what you say right now. The sights are my sights are aiming for you right now. Yeah, I'm pretty fucking accurate. So come on, <laughs> come on. I'm com- I'm confident, and I'll look you two in the fucking eye. I don't give a fuck. So basically, where where I have been praising him somewhat, might I add, 
is his importance in our play going forward from a back three in particular. When Torreira drops deeper or, or what have you, his forward play, his forward passing um, and incisive between the lines is actually very important to our go forward. But I am at the point now where I, I, I cannot support this guy anymore. So the, I used to try and have a balanced opinion because I felt that he was a ball-playing centre-back and he had his benefits to us when we were playing more of a possession-based game. But the the errors, the Mustafi, Mustafiing, it's it's gone beyond anyone being able to support him anymore. Like this, this is not just costing us games. This is costing us our progression into the the Champions League. If we were going to get there a year ahead of schedule, you know this play may have just fucked us in the ass in a final time. So, look, even me, who's respected elements of his game, if not his actions, you know, this is... I'm done. Blackzilla, thoughts? Oh, boy. Oh, the, the... So am I getting shot or not? Uh, no, up at the, the level, boy. The, the powder's being kept dry. Just, All just, right. It's still loaded and under the bed. <laughs> it's holstered. <laughs> Yeah. For now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> um, what can I say about Ginger Pubes? Um, he, uh, I think I found a player on par with my hatred for Xhaka. I think with, with that mistake there, mate, you are on par. What he did was, he's a, he's a terrible reader of a game. We know that. But he's trying to catch up to Kane, right? And he's trying to, to to nudge him, you know, out of the way. Because again, he is he's not even looking at the ball. So he doesn't even see what, where the ball is going. He's just looking at Kane. And again, yet again, he's cost us. And I cannot believe we spent thirty five million on that useless cunt. Just his face alone. I told you at the top of this podcast, this guy used to sniff glue. Just look at his face. Does that scream intelligence? Does that scream football IQ? No, it just screams like I'm a fucking dumbass. And yet again, he's cost us. So I hope, and I really do not care who takes him, somebody make a bid. As small as 10 to 15 million. Just take him off our hands. Somebody fucking take him. I'll drive him there. I'll drive him to fucking Pakistan if I have to. Right? Just get him the fuck out of our club. I think Andrew Mangan put it best. It, It probably was about five weeks ago when he said, There is nothing. There is no amount of good games. No amount of match winning performances that Mustafi could put in that could change the tide of hatred against him at this point. And for him to... Look, I thought he had a poor performance anyway. Not... uh, Yes, he had that defensive error. I thought he was okay defensively. But, I mean, going forward, he offered absolutely nothing. Like we said, passing accuracy somewhere in the 40s. But the sheer quantity of unforgivable mistakes that he makes... I think Manny makes a, a great point when it comes to football IQ... 
Honestly, I think we could mm. fucking put a cricket stump in the ground on the edge of the box and we get more fucking IQ than what we're getting out of Mustafi. He's done. Guys, do we do we think that... Uh, is 15 million a, a, a possibility for him? Does anyone Take think him. that... Does Take anyone him. think we would get more? Yeah, Does anyone look, think we'd get less? No, I, I don't reckon we should aim too high because it, it's an error from our side of things with the way the cost of transfers has exploded in the last few years we we've just we've just got to eat it and take it and whatever we get for him because we are actually valuing he is actually dropping in his valuation the more we play him we're not putting him in the shop window <laughs> we're taking him out of the shop window what's the opposite of a shop window That's i don't know doing. putting it in the back in the warehouse no one even fucking knows he's for sale you know like always with our club, we somehow manage to make our players worth less than when we buy them. No other club does that the way we do. Can can I just put one more thing in into that into the mix? Maitland Niles wasn't ready and he and he probably shouldn't be trusted playing in a back four in such big games. Licksteiner wasn't there and we probably wouldn't have wanted him anyway. Should we have just fucking played Jenko? Because Mustafi didn't just cost us a goal conceding. I reckon he missed us probably four, five, six opportunities from not being able to deliver into the box and not being able to overlap in the way that we needed after we'd gone, after we'd conceded. Did it, does anyone think that was a, that's a valid opinion? Yeah, I'd say that's quite a valid opinion, that, uh, what I will go away is not even in the fucking warehouse. It's in the back of a fucking guy in a in a white van on a fucking market street selling him for fucking ninety nine p knockoffs. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I can't. I can't be asked with this cunt anymore. I've had enough fucking rants about him. Look, boys. To coin a phrase, he gets down more than James Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an insult to James Brown. Actually, it yeah. is. It's becoming an insult to James Brown. Even I think that now, and it was me who said I it. I just like that Scunny, Scunny said it once, and it's been used in about twelve fucking podcasts. <laughs> no, I watched his his biopic. You know, uh, get on up recently. Like the second time I'm watching it, I think it's an insult to compare. You know, ginger pubes with a great like James Brown. You know, what I mean, James Brown was fucking clean ginger pubes is a dickhead so i think we may have to change that one scunny you're you're you it was just a fr- it was just a phrase mate that's all it's <laughs> not i'm not comparing him to james brown whatsoever it was just more more of a it, i was ranting at the time mate and it just sort of slipped out <laughs> and it was funny we've 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 had good mileage out of it yeah boys mikatarian amazing performance capped off with a lovely ball through to obamiang did anyone else get the feeling almost immediately when Aubameyang picked that up that he was going to miss it? Because I did. Yeah, he looked like a bag of nerves, man. He looked why, like a yeah. bag why of nerves. Why do you think that was? Do you, do you think it was because the penalty was a bit soft? No, I just think that. I think the occasion got to him and he didn't do anything different um, than the penalty that he got You know, at the Emirates. Everything was the same. The run-up, the placement... I mean, did you really think as as bad as, as and as as much as I hate Hugo Lloris? Did you really think he didn't study you, and he didn't think he would do the same thing? I mean, come the fuck. The on. shot from behind, Aubameyang's body shape always looks like he's putting it there, and Lloris was always going. Of course, there. Lloris went 
early, really early. Like he was there with plenty of time. It wasn't hit without power. It was hit exactly, like Manny said, exactly the same as his last penalty. But last time he sat the keeper on his ass. And this time Lloris just went for it. I was uh, I was walking around my living room and I just said, I, my wife was sitting out here because I was making too much noise. And um, I just said, he's going to miss this. He's, he's going to miss this. I could tell from his body language. You remember last week when Lacazette got up and took that free kick? Mm. I said, he's going to hit this. I just knew from the way he picked up the ball and the way he put it down, I thought, he's going to smash this into the back of the net. And with Aubameyang, I just, I just didn't feel that way. Toby, how did you feel about it, mate? Yeah, I, I had the impending feeling of doom. I, and I, I actually thought that it was me that had caused it. You know how every fan thinks they're the bad luck charm? You know, I had this I had this flicker of I'm not feeling confident, I'm not feeling confidence in him, his body language, all that stuff. But then I realised it wasn't me because I was watching it on replay and it had happened in the past. So at least I was happy with that. <laughs> but I mean, obviously it wasn't just me because I've I've you know, I've heard this from from various sources. Um, I don't think it's just us Arsenal fans projecting our fear. I think it was an overall context of the game. You know, we had we had swatted them aside. The tactics were perfect. We had dominated them, and then we we fucked ourselves by by missed opportunities. And I felt that we didn't really believe it when it happened. And your banging man definitely didn't believe, possibly in the penalty itself but definitely didn't have the conviction to, to put it away. Um, and I, I, you know, in I, my interpretation was that he didn't even hit it with power. You know, there was no conviction in any of the shot and it was, uh, it was a very simple save. So quite, quite disappointing. So guys, we're left with a 1-1 mm. and it really does feel really does feel like Arsenal gave us a hand job, right? They rubbed it, they looked at us, they told us how big it was, but somehow we're still left with our own cock and our own balls in our hands. It's some kind of unrequited hand job. You know, the, the stress and the pain of it, I, I just literally turned the television off through the remote control down and went and got into bed. And I lay there in bed, Yes, thinking about this unrequited hand job, but mainly thinking about my three two ones and my one two threes, and how I was going to sort these out. Manny, mm-hmm. who was your three? Who did you have for three points, and why? Socrates, my three points. I thought he was leader back there. He was. He relished the the, the battle with Kane. He was physical. You know, and it was not just with Kane, it was with Son, it was with anyone who got in his way. He dealt with any with everything. Yes, he, you know, went to sleep for the Ericsson chance, but aside from that, he was head and shoulders above our defenders. He was immense. I capped with him winning the man of the match. So my three Greek god, the Spartan himself. This is Sparta. Scunny? Who did you have, mate? Yeah, I was going to say Socrates as well. Uh, for exactly the same reasons as what Manny just said. He he was heads and shoulders above everyone else in that defence. 
Guys, I had Socrates as well. So three out of three. We've lost Toby. He's uh he's been having some buffering issues throughout, and he's he's dropped out of the room, and he's pretty much technically retarded. So I don't know whether he's actually going to be able to work out how to get back in here. So um, fuck him. We'll press on anyway. That's, <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> nice of you. Mate, this is the Ass Brothers. We've said this before. The knives go. The knives go in the chest, and he's a cunt. So, you know, any opportunity is a good opportunity. Okay. Hold on. He's fucking messaging me, saying like, "I dropped out." Just click the link. Fuckhead. <laughs> I hope you keep this bit in. All right. Oh, we we leave. You you guys listen to the Ass Brothers every week. We leave all of it in. We never take it out. Even our our bad French. Bad fucking. Oh my you know, god. Man he's, man, he's always sending me messages like, fuck's sake, Max. Man, he sent me a message the other week. He's like, what is with this title? I think it was the fucked by a dick made of stupidity. Man, he was like, oh my god, bro. What is this shit? <laughs> you know what? It wasn't even. It, it was the title of the last podcast, but it was the terrible. And I mean, terrible French. I swear to God, if we were in the same room, I would have slapped the shit out of you for that. <laughs> It was terrible. <laughs> Toby's back. Toby's back. Toby, we didn't say any. We didn't say anything bad about you while you were gone. We just, we just oh, had a general lie. conversation you him a about. Yeah, I did. I called you. <laughs> I, called, I vigorously called you a cunt, and then we laughed about your your technical deficiencies as a human. Get fucked, all of you. <laughs> Toby, three points. Who did you have, and why? Everyone else is already gone. We all gave it to Socrates. Oh, okay. I actually gave it to Mkhitaryan. I'm not mad at you, mate. I'm not mad at you at all. No, Toby, I'm not mad at you either because, guys, for my two points, I gave to Mkhitaryan. I thought he was up and down all day, worked his hole off. He's been great since he's come back. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. But very early on, I remember I was on a podcast with Manny. I think it was my first Guns and Yellow Ribbons podcast. And back then I said, we have to persevere with him because he's one of our only creative outlets that's willing to take risks. Today was actually a game where I thought the opposite of that. He didn't take as many risks. He took on a job. He tucked inside. He filled in where he needed to be, and he got up and down. I'd have loved to have seen his pedometer, his distance for the end of the game, because it would have been massive. Manny, who did you have for two points? Ah, uh, same. Mkhitaryan, man. And I'm, I'm sort of... I'm at a calf right now, and I'm, I've ordered humble pie... Um, because <laughs> I think he, we all have. I hope so. Um, he's come back from from his injury, and he's been immense. Not just you know scoring goals and creating them, but his work rate up and down that flank, in the box making clearances. Oh, that you know, was so amazing! Pe- that was one of know? the moments of the match for me. So when people tell me that, you know, oh. Urza was not the type of player to do this. I point to Mikatarian because his his best games when he was at Dortmund was from the right and you know number ten and floating and this and that. But defensively, he wasn't all that. That's one of the criticisms that he had when he was at United. We're seeing a completely different player here. We're seeing a player that's taking on what Emery has told him. He's grabbing that ball and he is running with it. And he's making it very hard for Emery to drop him. Two points for Mkhitaryan, man. He could have easily gotten three from me. Yeah, nice. 
Scanny? Yeah, I'm the same with Mkhitaryan as well uh, for the two. Uh, can't really say much more than what Manny has there as well, but since he's come back from his injury, he's been immense. Were you a detractor before the injury, uh, Scunny? Were you, were you having issues with him prior to, to his return? Yes, I was. Um, I couldn't see where he was going to fit in. I thought he was. I thought he was dropping off. I thought he was coming up to the end where he just really didn't. He wasn't really making it. He wasn't really doing anything for himself. I don't think he was getting the tactics from Emery or what he wanted or what Emery wanted him to do. I just didn't think he was getting it. But since he's came back, he's a completely new player, and it's like like Manny just said, it's made made me humble pie as well. We'd almost all have to be in agreement that he's been Arsenal's player of the month. Yeah. These, these last three games, he's been either, for me and Toby, either three points or two points. And we were really big detractors earlier on in the season. We, we started off very, very pro. Then we got upset with him. And we got upset with the way that he relinquished possession. And we decided a couple of weeks ago that one of the biggest problems with Arsenal when it was boring the shit out of us was that no one was willing to take risks. And I think this is one of the issues with Awobi. I think Manny might have... I think it was Manny brought this up a few podcasts ago. But you look at Awobi. If Awobi's losing the ball on the edge of the box, trying to make something happen, on the edge of the opposition box, trying to make something happen, it's not that bad. That's what wingers are there to do, right? They're there to throw legs over balls. They're there to take people on and create space. Granted, if they overdo it, it's an issue. But I think early on we looked at players like Mkhitaryan and we looked at the ball transitioning back at us and, and, and kind of shot him down for that. Then once we didn't have that in the team and Awobi went out of form, we started to look really boring and really one-dimensional. And now these guys have come back into the team and back into form and back into a system that works for them as well, which is actually Emery's first system, his original system from the start of the year. Now we're looking at them with you know, a different view on things because we've seen them in the team and out of the team. Toby, who did you have for four points? Four points, fucking two points. For two points? Yep. Yep, I had uh, I had Jay Leno for two points. Big old dirty balls Leno. Elaboration, Toby? Yeah, I, I, I thought, look, I, I thought he'd arrived as an Arsenal keeper. I don't know about you boys, but I actually haven't felt, and I... I posted this on the guns and yellow ribbons thread that um i actually haven't seen one of our keepers affect the game with something worldy that you wouldn't expect that changes a game for a really long time like i sort of i went all the way back to your your big dave seaman or your jens layman era i don't think anyone we've had have been world class even petr Cech, you know was on the downward turn of his career, so that's that's something game changing. We've all, we've looked enviously at other keepers for a really long time. Um, we potentially even had really bad goalkeeper coaching for a while as well. Um, so anyway, this was a really big play and something to be proud of. Like you know, maybe we actually are onto something with this guy. So anyway, Jay Leno's arrived for me. Well, for me, boys, for my one point, I went with Toby. I, I went with Leno. I think that like like we've all been saying for all of this podcast, the way to swat away your detractors is to make big saves. For me, that was big saves. And do you know what? I quite like his 
I think people have a bit of an issue with his almost arrogant demeanor at times. You know, he's chewing gum and he's got that kind of like World War One parted, World War Two parted hairstyle. You know, and I quite like his his demeanor. So, uh, one point, Bernd Leno, a huge double save, and for me, that's really got to mark his arrival as Arsenal's number one. Manny, who did you have for one point and why? Uh, Leno as well. Um, that double save, man. Like I said, white bank material, bro. Yeah, I think he's he's arrived with that one. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, onwards and upwards with him. And I like his demeanor. Right? I like that that cocky sort of, you know, I'm the shit sort of swag that he's got about him. For a long time, we had fucking the Fabianskis and your Ospinas and all of those fuckers, oh, man. Fucking Flappianski. You know what I mean? So it feels good Fucking to have a Voj- goalkeeper Vojcik in there. Wojciech Chesney, boys. Wojciech Chesney. What leave a that. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it alone. Walk away. <laughs> Walk away from that precipice, man. But yeah, no, Leno. Leno gets Scotty, point, who man. did you have for a point? I was actually going to go for Leno, but I think this guy deserves... I think he deserves a point from me for this. Uh, I think he will be. I thought he had a brilliant game. He helped back in defence. He made some runs going forward. And I, I just think he deserves it for the game that he had. I didn't think he made much in the way of bad decisions in that game. He had a shot on goal. It was a bit of a soft one. Uh, but it, it still, I think he made he, he did well. I think he really did well. I think Iwobi definitely would have been in and around everyone's points. In, a, in and around everyone's points. But maybe not, you know, for me, not quite in the top three. But I think in this game, you know, it was more of a, a sum of its parts game and everyone played their piece in the Emery puzzle. And really it was only Mustafi who, who, who broke out of that, in my opinion, you know, and, and really fucked up, really, really cooked the fucking chook. Um, Toby, one point, who did you have and why? It's going to be conjectures, conjectures amongst this lot, but I actually gave a point to Rambo. So I thought his the way he took that goal was absolute class um, and a really steely disposition, which, which we seem to lack in our squad. Uh, and I also thought he was pretty selfless in the way he sacrificed himself and just worked his ass off in the pressing type of game. He wasn't very flamboyant or did any of that, but his running stats were, um, were a couple of kilometres uh, above the, the players in and around him by the time he got subbed. Um, I was really close to going with Socrates for a point, um, but I just felt that a couple of times from set pieces, he he went to sleep. Um, and a Greek mate that I was talking to today who follows the Greece national team said he's actually known for that, about being a brilliant bullying defender, but just having the odd switch off moment and letting people ghost in behind. So anyway, Rambo for a point for me. Boys, while we're on it, anyone got anything to say on the the Ramsey performance? It was a it was a very mixed feedback about his performance. I thought he he took his goal well, and he was fairly physical. He didn't bring the house down for me. No, I mean, uh, kudos to him for the goal. I thought he fucked it up, but you know he he proved me wrong in that respect. But I thought apart from that, he was you know pretty poor like his, his passing was was crap i think we had a counter at one point and all he needed to do was slippy well be in and he played the ball behind him you know i think yeah apart from the goal i thought he was he was pretty poor 
you know, so uh, if I had to rate that a 10, I'd probably say a 6, just because of the goal. Mate, I would have given him a 6, but then I would have given him a 7 for running up to the Tottenham fans and telling him it was his house. Because I did fucking enjoy that. I love that celebration. I loved it. And did you see the picture I put up, the Genduzi picture? Yeah, man. I fucking love that Genduzi already gets what a North London derby is. Ramsey's running along, and little fucking floppy sideshow Bob motherfucker Genduzi's just got his hand on his ear to the Tottenham fan, going, <laughs> "You know what have you got to say, boys? You fucking assholes." Future captain, bro. I'm calling it now. Future captain. Uh, no one's selling him. Except for Toby. Toby wants to sell him, but he's a cunt. Fergus too. Another cunt. <laughs> Take the 60 million. Tactically astute, I would say. Take the 60 and million. Thinking. And fuck it. I say take it. Fuck off. Homer, you, Homer, you're dumb as a mule and twice as ugly. If a strange man offers you a ride, I say take it. Yeah, man. <laughs> Keep him. Fuck no. He's the best. I, honestly, I've said this before. I said this on Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I've said it on the Ars Brothers. I think he's the best youth, youth prospect since Cesc Fabregas. That's how highly I think of him. Uh, I think he's going to. I think he could turn into whatever he wanted to. If he wanted to turn into a defensive midfielder, he could. If he wanted to become a number eight, he could. I even don't mind him further up the pitch. He was making against. I know we're just hard tangenting here, but in the Bournemouth game, he was making like. Moussa Dembele runs and I know I always bring up Moussa Dembele but he is one of the players who I really wish Arsenal had of signed one of the only Spurs players who I I kind of longed for at Arsenal but Genduzi was making you've just dropped a clanger there I have yeah is that a guitar (laughs) Genduzi was sorry (laughs) Genduzi was making monstrous runs through the middle of the park and I just I'm in love with him I'm in love with him boys negative points cunts of the week (laughs) <laughs> so, we're going to finish with our biggest cunt, which I'm pretty sure all of us have the same one anyway. But we're going to start with our third cuntest cunt. Not our most cuntest cunt, but the third cuntest cunt. And boys, for me, as painful as it was, I gave it to Lacazette. I thought if you're, you're, it's an opportunity missed for Lacazette, a big opportunity missed. You know, he could have been a hero just for one day. He could have been a hero. He could have been David Bowie for me, right? But he fluffed it. He didn't fluff it once. He fluffed it twice. And when he came off, people were getting up him a bit, saying, oh, you know, he's got such a prickly kind of persona when he's going off about not wanting to come off and he should have been happy about Aubameyang coming on. I thought when he went off and he sat on the bench, he put his hands on his face and his shirt over his head. That had nothing to do with Emery subbing him. That had to do with him knowing that he had a he could have iced that game and didn't. Scunny, who did you have for one point, mate? Yeah, I'm going to say the same in Lacazette. I just think he, he lets his frustration get to him. I think it, that's why I think he does let his frustrations get to him too much. Uh, you know, I mean, with, with with missing the goals, you know, I mean, not scoring and getting a bit bullied. I think he just lets his frustration get to him. Yeah, uh, minus one, Lacazette, man. Love him. Mula love all love what he's done this season. He's like a completely different player under Emery. But yeah, you bottled it. You know, and no player is ever happy about coming off. If you're happy about coming off, then there's something wrong with you and I don't want you at my club. So his reaction was all right with me. Just do better when you play against United. If you miss again against United, I will gladly slap you in the back of the head, mate. 
So yeah, negative one for Would Leipzig. Would you start him? Yeah, because Aubameyang is going to play against against you know against Ren in the Europa League. So yeah, he's yeah. going to start. I wonder if that's going to be a, a really great opportunity for Lacazette because we've seen Lacazette react a lot. You know, we've, we've seen him react to when he's been tested. He's one of the players who has reacted. He started off on the bench. He clawed his place back from Aubameyang. And it was really, in my opinion, despite scoring less goals, become Arsenal's number one striker, his first choice striker. We're not seeing Lacazette displaced onto a wing. We're seeing Aubameyang displaced onto a wing. We're seeing Aubameyang displaced onto a bench. So I hope we get a, a big reaction out of him in the Man United game. Toby, one point. Did you see anything differently? No, no. I, I, I flipped around what I assume will be everyone's one and two. I actually went negative one for Ober um, for the penalty miss. Uh, and also a couple of poor touches um, and not affecting the game as much as he had the potential to do. Um you know, as as it opened up in behind. So negative one for me for for Oba for being um yeah, missing that opportunity. Well like I assume most of us you you cannot miss a penalty, a match winning penalty late in the game and not get negative points. Negative two for me for a Bamiang. And I must admit I'm starting to get a little bit worried. Not not completely worried not panic mode worried but he's not scoring goals he's not affecting the game in a major way and I and I know Manny and I know Toby have all been advocates of Aubameyang coming off the bench at 60 or 70 minutes to slice through teams and we're not really seeing it and I'm actually quite quite fearful of what a player like that is going to look like into his 30s. I'm worried whether he's actually going to be able to maintain it. And I was actually one of the people who was saying, if you were going to sell someone to raise funds next year, maybe it's Aubameyang. Thoughts? Really? Well, if you look at the age profile and you look at how we're going to get money for him, I don't know if we're going to get any money for him two years down the track. And if we're trying to rebuild... With Lacazette coming to the fore and showing that he can lead a line. I'm not saying that I want to. I love Aubameyang and I love having both of them. But pacey players, you know, towards the ends of their careers. Mate, I don't know. I don't know. Scunny, who did you have for negative two? Ozil. Really? Because he was shit. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other reason for it. He was shit. It's all fucking northern and telling people they're shit. Does good things for you, Scunny. I want him more of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush. He was shit. That ineffective for you? Yeah. Was that well, dis- he didn't that, offer anything. Is that disappointment? When he is came that on. disappointment because you were hoping or expecting him to offer something when he yeah. came on? And he- I think it does come down to that. Yes, I was hoping we'd get something out of him. I, I was hoping he was going to turn up. I thought he was actually finally going to show us what he really can do. Uh, I think I would have thought him personally. If if I was him, I would have been disappointed not to start. So I thought if I'm going to get my chance, I'm going to make something of my chance. He didn't do that. So for me, he's done. I would personally, if I was in the Arsenal board, I'd say to the other members of the board, let's buy this fucking cunt out of this contract and let's get rid of him because he's not offering anything. He's just costing Anyone us money. Anyone know what the actual value of the buyout is? Uh, 
something like 17, 18 million, I think, isn't it? Surely we can fucking sell him. You, you'd think, but who? Five, mil, five million, seven million. Possibly, if, if but... If it's way unders, way unders... Possibly. Then it should represent the rest of his wages. But I think that's, I think that's just me and my opinion and the way I'm feeling about the guy at the minute. I wanted him to come but, on. I mean, it's, so get me it's wrong, interesting, Scunny, because you, were, you, like me, early on the week, had somewhat softened your stance on him. We'd, we'd seen enough from him to say... I'm willing to give you a chance. And, and he's just... He let you down, Scunny. He let you down. He's fucked it. He's fucked it. Manny? Aubameyang is not getting away from the minus two, man. You bought it. You bought yep. it. The only thing that, that, that stood out, you know, from his performance was his damn haircut. You know, he bought it. You know what I mean? I was... I, I screamed the damn house down right, when he missed it. You know what I mean? Because I've got this game. I don't know how you guys feel about the North London Derby, but I hate this game. You know, it, it brings out the worst in me. It makes me nervous. The time was going so slow, you know, in both halves. Yep. And then for you to have the opportunity to win us this game and vindicate Emery, you know, for the tactics that he, that he you know, had the team set up on. Nah. Minus two. Tobes, minus two, mate. Who'd you have? For the for the exact same reasons that Manny just said, I had Lacazette. So for for me, the pressure of that penalty in the context of of how Bamiang would have been feeling, for for me, that's at least somewhat of a mitigating factor. So for, for Lacazette, fifty-third minute beautiful cutback from Monreal two-thirds of the goal to aim at barely any time to think or let the pressure overwhelm him I felt that was the turning point of the game and if that was buried like it should have been would have absolutely vindicated Emery's tactics you know the the defensive approach the contain and counter you know and to swat aside Spurs like we had done yeah, I, for, for me, that was the turning point in the match and I'm a huge Lacazette fan, you know, people would know that. But for me, that was that was an atrocious miss and something that if he wants to become that elite echelon or anywhere close to it, they're the things that we need to be bearing. Guys, did all three of us have, uh, did all three of us have Mustafi for negative three? I assume we did. Hell yes, the glue sniffing, bogey eating, ginger pubed cunt. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Bogey eating, I love that one. Um, yeah, oh my god, like this, I want to call this, the this episode is... "Bogey Eating Glue Sniffing Cunt." Do you think that's? I wonder if it's acceptable or not. When is any of your titles acceptable? Yeah. Just do whatever you want. I will. Whatever's going to make the most impactful statement where people go, who the fuck is this <laughs> But for, for me, this, like I was saying before, this, this is unforgivable town. Like we just, you know, what other player in living memory do you know that would have single-handedly have cost us this many points? I can't, I can't think of anyone. Mustafi for me as well, boys. Negative three. He's a must sell. 
Neg- negative three for you, Scanny. Mustafi as well. Oh, 100%. And I think that's self-explanatory. I think everyone by now should know how I feel about that. Idiot. <laughs> Can't get away till the end of the season without playing him. Ugh. Don't it's just unfortunate. After the man- don't have after the Man U game any really tough games. I-, I mean, look, all games in the Premier League are tough. Boys, all games in the Premier League are tough. But, I mean, we could theoretically... We could theoretically take maximum points from every other game for the rest of the year. And I said prior to this game that I would have respected the point against the Spuds and that I put down a marker and I said, I think that if we got a point against Tottenham and a point against Man U, that I thought that put us in the driving seat for top four. Final question of the night, guys. Just... Want to hear a little bit from everyone on this. Top four, Arsenal. More likely than not or not likely at all? I think it's definitely likely. Um, I think it's, it's definitely, we're definitely in with a chance. And I think people have got to put it into retrospect here and look at the league now and think Tottenham right now are having their best ever uh, year under Pochettino. And they're four points above us, and we're probably having not a great year. So stick that in your mind for a little bit. Is that bit. their best points total? Yes, so far, Pochettino? yeah. Wow. Exactly. That's fucking wow. Bombshell. Fucking exactly. Bombshell. And no one ever would have expected us to be where we are right now This at the start of the season. Not even I did. Manny? More likely than not, or not likely? Man, we're in the thick of it. We are in the thick of it. And shout out, like I said on, on Guns and Yellow Ribbons, man. Shout out to Emery. Because he's got us in this position. You know, um, his, his decision making, how he's getting the best out of players who were awful last season. You know, how he's made so many players better. How he's got us playing, how he's got us drilled. How he's got us, you know, um, going into games. So I never thought that we would be in this position. I was happy with fifth because that was an improvement on last season, you know. But right now, um, we're in the thick of it. And if, you know, we can maintain what we're doing at the moment, there's no reason why we can't finish fourth. And there's definitely no reason why we can't reel the scum into it. They're going to fuck up again. And we just have to pray that we don't fuck up in the meantime. So the United game is crucial. But nobody would be surprised if we went into that game and won 3-1. We're in it, boys. We're at home as well, so there's every chance of that happening. Exactly. I don't Mm. think we'll lose that game. Toby, final thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, if if we... I, I, I agree with you. If we get a point out of this game, then we're well and truly in it. But our home, our home form is actually something to behold. So, you know, we, we do have an opportunity. The thing, um, the thing I fear a little bit, which we haven't really mentioned that much, is not having Terreira to break up that midfield. Um, so that's, that's, one, that's one thing that does worry me slightly. But, you know, the form of, um, the form of our, our central pairing at the moment... 
um, Kalasinac coming back into the team potentially or, you know, the opportunity to play a back three at times. Um, yeah, look, I, I'm I'm with Manny in that I think we have overachieved. I'm really backing this manager. I think I think we're playing... We're really playing our opposition. I know that's a bit of a, a daft comment, but we're really setting up for each specific game. Um and, you know, we, we're there or thereabouts and we've by far the easiest run in. So, look, we've missed a bit of an opportunity with the Spurs game, but I reckon all of us would have signed off on a draw beforehand if it was offered to us, particularly when we look at Spurs and Manu in two consecutive games as a bit of a double header, you know. So, um, yeah, no, we're, we, we are certainly overachieving and we're we're pretty close we're in the thick of it so this is going to be um a good run in i think guys thank you so much for joining us thank you to manny toby scunny mike this has been a gun brothers ass ribbons podcast a combination of the two best podcasts out there we are four arsenal fans by two dickheads in Australia. It's a combination of all things that are fantastic and we love and adore bringing these podcasts to you. Have a great night. Be good to each other. And remember, Mustafi's a cunt. Cheers, guys. Good night. Good night. <laughs>